So at the minute you're in 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10 and we're starting tonight. We're picking up at verse 17. Um, this is about King Saul, the first king of Israel. And King Saul was... Um, he was out looking for his father's donkeys. And whilst he was out, he went out and there was a man of God there, a prophet, that went and inquired to see if the man knew. And that was Samuel. And when I preach this, I will say Samuel and Saul. And if I make a mistake, but I'll get their names very, very confused. If you want to talk about Saul, I end up talking about Samuel. So you just, if you hear the mistake, stop me and I'll correct it. And Saul is going to be anointed king by Samuel. So we pick up the story where um, we pick up this where he is being presented to the Israel, presented to all the congregation of the people and told that this is going to be king. So let's read 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 17. It says, And then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mestah and said to the, the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up, out, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms and from those who had oppressed you. I'll just stop there. So we'll stop at verse 18 for a second. This this is, God is, is speaking through Samuel to the, to the whole of all the Israelites, everybody's there, all the tribes, he's called them all together, and they're meeting up together now, and he's saying, and he's, he's proclaiming, if you like, what God is saying to him. And he's reading off to them that, he, God is saying to them, look, I am God that brought Israel up. I am God that's done this for Israel. Israel never done it for itself. I've done this work with you. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you read this, God, it wasn't by chance that God did this. God knew. God had a foreknowledge. He knew. When God spoke to Abraham, I think it's in uh, Genesis chapter 13, when God spoke to Abraham, there was three of them that come in human form, and they said, shall we not inform him what's going to take place? Shall we not tell our friend? And the Bible says that God appeared to him and God spoke with Abraham and told him what was going to happen. He said to him, your people will be held captive, uh, going to be held up for 400 years, but don't worry, I'm going to set them free, I'm going to take them out. So God was telling Abraham what was going to take place, that they were going to be held in the land of Egypt for 400 years. And the story of Joseph teaches you how they was in the land of Egypt and how God blessed them and through, through Joseph. And probably another king coming from the pharaohs that overtook them. Probably another king coming who didn't know who these Jewish people was, who didn't know who the Israelites, and he made them slaves. And they was put to work in building places in Egypt. Archaeology says that there was a, a tribe of people that was there that had no king. Archaeologists, they found this in Egypt. There was a tribe of people that had no king, that exiled, that went, that left. And they were the ones that were slaves and built everything. And history proves this, this part of scripture correct. So they've come out of Egypt. And God is saying, 
to them, I am the God that has brought you up out of the land of Egypt. It wasn't by your own by your own chance or by your own power or by your own might. And I'll tell you why I say that. is because sometimes as Christians, sometimes for us as Christians, we forget that what God has done for us. And sometimes we have that little bit of pride that sets in and just allows us to think that we've made it this far on our own. Well, we've, we've done this on our, by our own strength. And that's not true. For us here as Christians, we've got here, by being Christians, by the Lord's help, that God would say that I have brought you up. For the last 40 years, the work that the Lord has done with us in England, with the conventions and the things that we've had and the things that we've just seen, we know that it's the work of the Lord. No man can boast that it's his work. It's not Jackie Boyd's work. It's not the elders' work. It wasn't, it's not all, all Freddie Scarrett's work. It's not. It's the Lord's work. Now, they're the men that God's using, but it's the Lord's work. The Lord has brought us this far. And let's speak the truth. It's only God that can do that with us. Uneducated people don't, know, don't really know nothing. Couldn't read or write, not hardly any of us. But the Lord has given us an ability to know his word and to teach it to others. And churches, and we're a part of, what, 36, 37 churches up and down the country. If we boast, then we boast in the things of the Lord. The Lord has done this work. And again, he's telling these because he's saying that I'm the God that brought you up out of Egypt. I'm the God that rescued you. Do you remember like when you read about Joshua? Joshua took all the, the land. He took, the, the Egypt. He took all the, the land when he came into Israel. And now they had to fight off people that there was, there was giants and they was only put grasshoppers in their sight. And it wasn't that Joseph that done it. It wasn't uh, Joshua that done it. It was... God that gave him the victory, wasn't it? It was God that done that work. And again, that's why God has to say this. And Samuel's here talking and he's saying, I'm the Lord your God that's brought you up out of Egypt and, all the, and, and set you up from all the kingdoms that oppressed you, all the kings that wouldn't do. There was a king in, in, when you're reading Joshua, when you're reading the Old Testament, the king that said, you can't come past my land, you can't come past here, we're giving you no food, no right, you're not going to do it, go back the way you come. And God said, okay, let's go to war. And that place come down, come tumbling down. Every place that opposed them, they come tumbling down. Jericho, the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Who done it? Would we say it was the, the men with the trumpets? Or would we say God did it? Well, it was God. Sometimes a little bit of pride can set in and these men can have that in their own heart and say, we done this. We done it. And it wasn't. And God is saying this by way of reminder. I'm the Lord your God. That's why when God, when you hear it, he says, I'm the, I'm the Lord your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's rem- reminding them of where they've been and who, what he's done for them. And I like this idea that when God is speaking here and he's gathered the people together and he says, I'm the God that's brought you out of the land of Egypt from the kings and the kingdoms that oppressed you. I'm the God that's delivered you. I'm the God that's done that work. And brothers and sisters, we should not forget the work that the Lord has done for us. By way of reminder, remember the testimonies that you've given. Remember the things that the Lord has done in our lives. Verse 19, it says, But you have today rejected your God, whom himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said to him, No, set up 
uh, set a king over us. Now therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. This is a sad, sad verse. God always knew that Israel was going to have a king. It was in Deuteronomy and we'll probably read that later. But God always knew that Israel was going to have a king. But it was in God's time and what God was going to do. But God, in his art of arts, it was God that wanted to be their ruler, their guide, their king, that they would go and consult of the Lord and God would lead them. But he knew that Israel wouldn't be satisfied with that. What did these people want? What did the Israelites want? Do you know what they wanted? They wanted to be like the other nations around them. That's sad, isn't it? We want to be like the other nations. Why do you want to be like the other nations? Well, they've got a king. If you know what happens with a king, everyone else becomes their subjects. That's what happens. But they wanted it. They rejected God to want what other people had. I want you all to think about that for a second. Ever caught yourself wondering, if you wasn't a Christian, what life would be like? I could go here, I could do this. Ever caught yourself doing that? But what are you saying? Lord, if I never had you, my life would be better. This is what they're saying. Lord, if we, we, we want to be like the others. We want to be like the other people. Be great. We want to have, have, have our own king. Someone that we can give homage to. and well, Somebody that we can do. We can go and praise. and We can give our taxes. Or we can do something. We want to be like the other people. That's what they were saying to the Lord. And God took this personal. He says... But you have today rejected your God, whom, whom himself saved you from all your adversaries. Our good God is. Because even when we reject him, he does not reject us. Even when we make choices that does not involve God. Even when we make bad choices. Even when we self-afflict ourselves by the choices we've made. God still loves us and cares for us. God still set up this king. He still set him up. He said to him, um, you himself, uh, sorry, but verse 19, that you have today rejected your God, whom himself, himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Now therefore, present yourself before the Lord your God, tribes, clans, and your clans. So he's getting the people to line themselves up. They've all got to come. All the tribes have got to come. All 12 of them. 13, arguably. I'll let you work that one out. But all the tribes, they're all there. And they've got to present themselves. Um, verse 20 it says and when Samuel calls all the tribes of Israel to come near the tribe of Benjamin was chosen now I want you to think about this and how they've done this I know that the priests had a thing called I can't pronounce it Uman and Erman and Thurman is that it? 
He knows what I'm on about, but that's what it. And they would put their hand in their pocket, and it was a white stone and a black stone. And they would put their hand in the pocket, shake it, and then pull out whatever one they, that's how it said, they cast lots. That's what they did. For us, it would be like the spinning of a coin. Heads or tails. Do you know the reason we don't do that no more? Do you know we don't, the reason why we don't do that? The last person that they cast a lot over, who can tell me who it was in the Bible? Matthias. Well done, John. Matthias. The, the, the twelfth disciple. What, the replacement for Judas. He was the last one. Do you know why he was the last one? Because after that, God filled him with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will lead him into all truths. They no longer have to spin a coin and take chance. God leads us. We don't flip a coin no more. We listen to God's word and we trust in the Lord. Lord, you lead me the way you want to go. We don't have to flip coins for this no more. So before you go, oh, well, it's scriptural to cast a lot. It's scriptural to toss a coin. It's scriptural to say, as we tell, should I stay in Kent or should I move to Scotland? Let's flip a coin. Yeah, you know what that's going to do for you? <laughs> End you in a load of rubbish. That's all that's going to do. We don't do that. We're led by the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Lord and seek his face. That's what we do. Amen? Amen. This time, they cast lots. It was something that God allowed for. So they've cast the lots. Whatever tribe they've come past, you can see that he put his hand in his pocket. Blackstone, no, it's not these, not these, not these. Pull his hand in his pocket. It's a white one. All right, this right. And this is how this felt. And then it comes to the tribe of Benjamin. When they had, uh, verse 21, and when they had caused the title of Benjamin to come, the tribe of Benjamin come near by their families, the family of Mathri was chosen, and the son of, and, and, and Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen, and when they sought him, they could not find him. And here we've got, it's been however many peoples there, thousands upon thousands. They've set them up all in different tribes. There's thousands of them. It's, they've, they've cast a lot. It's fell to this. This could have took a long time. And then it's fell to Saul. It's fell to this one. It's been that precise and that perfect. The people can't say, this is a conia. The people can't say, oh, I've just got who they want. They can't do it. It's, it's been so precise. It's the cast of the lots of kick that man 100%. Bang on the money. It's him. Now, Saul already knows, and so does Samuel already knows who God's chose. Saul's already been told that he's going to be king. Samuel knows that he's already told him. He says that they already know. So, Samuel, uh, so Saul knows that he's going, to, he's going to be in. But the Bible says they sought for him, but he was not found. Well, why wouldn't he in front? Why wouldn't he there, front and centre? Why wasn't he doing that job? Verse twenty-two, it says, "Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further: Has the has the man come here yet?" And the Lord answered, "There, there he is, hiding amongst the equipment, hiding amongst the articles." Some of you might say, some of your Bibles might say. So they've even had to inquire of the Lord and the Lord verbally had to speak to Samuel to say to him where Saul is. 
He's, uh, he's here, but he's hiding amongst the equipment. Now, he's going to be the first king amongst all these people. You can feel that this man has got a little bit of um, anxiety, if you like. He's going to be the first amongst them, whether it be anxiety or he's trying to hide. Maybe it's such a big job that he doesn't want to take this on. But he isn't doing this out of pride. He isn't gone, yes, I deserve to be king. Thank you all very much. All fall in line now. He isn't doing that. He's hiding himself. And he hid himself. He hid himself amongst the equipment. He hid himself amongst the articles, the things that was there, the stuff that was around. He was hiding there. This man was ready to wear a crown. They wanted to put a crown upon his head to make him king. But he was hiding amongst the people. He was hiding amongst the things. And there is a message there for all of us. God desires to put a crown on areas. There are crowns of, of, of faithfulness. There are crowns that God is going to give us. We have to stand up and receive them. We have to stand up and grow up into them. Can't be hiding amongst the stuff, amongst the articles. Maybe all these articles, maybe they was the, the equipment they used at that time in the tabernacle. Maybe these was the things, the equipment that they would use. And what was he doing? Hiding. He was hiding amongst them. God was going to use him. God was going to do a work with him. He was God's chosen man at this time. He was God's chosen man to do this job. That's who this man was. You can't say that anything other. He was chosen by God to do this job. 100%. Yet he was found hiding. He was found hiding. What about us here? What about the job that God has called us to do? What about the job that God has called us to do? I don't believe every person in here is safe to sit in a chair and that's it. Come listen to me or come to church and listen to us preach and then we walk out here. Yeah, that was alright. And go and live our lives there we want. There is a service that we are called to. Every single one of us. There is a service that we are called to. Man and woman, there is a service that we are all called to to serve the Lord in. And we have to be faithful in that. We have to stand up and say, look Lord, I know that you've called me. I know that you've got this job. And I want to tell you something. If God calls, God equips. God calls you to do something, he equips you to do it. I couldn't preach. I couldn't read or write. I was the largest child in the whole world. Couldn't even do it. Couldn't read or write properly. Suffer. Even now, you hear me read. I suffer and struggle over words. Yet God's called me to do this job. I laugh at God sometimes. I think, why me, Lord? Why have you done that? But i tell you what I ain't doing. I ain't hiding amongst the equipment. I want to stand up and say, Lord, I want to grow up to the things that you have called me to do. I don't want to be hiding amongst nothing or nobody. This man had to have a crown put upon his head. They wanted to crown him king. And he was hiding amongst the equipment. Maybe he was afraid. Maybe he was ashamed. Maybe he never had pride. That pride that, that gets us. Do you know what we struggle with? We struggle with people that want to get behind the pulpit. They want to do the job. And then I'll tell you something. Anybody who desires this job, anybody, yes, it's a good thing the Bible says it's to desire it. But for the right motives, with the right reason, yes, it is a good thing. But we have people, and you even see them, people that's prideful, want to get behind here with, and just shout from the rooftops how good they are. And not how good God is. A testimony is something not about you. A testimony is giving something about God. Telling people about the Lord, that's a testimony. Not how good I was, not how bad I was, not how I used to be. A testimony is how great God is. I didn't know it, I didn't understand, but God came into my life and he's changed me. He's done something new in me. And this man was hiding, he was hiding amongst the equipment, hiding amongst the articles. He didn't want that job, he didn't want to do it. 
God even had to speak to the prophet at that time and say he's hiding amongst the articles. He's here, he's hiding. We don't have prophets like Samuel today. But we do have the word of God. And the word of God teaches us. If God calls, God equips. And for us, don't be caught hiding nowhere. God calls, God equips. Maybe you're struggling in areas. Maybe you are. Maybe you have got a legend. Maybe you have got issues. Maybe you have got something that you don't want to push out too far because you know, just don't know whether I could do it. God calls, God equips. This man started off humble. He ended up proud. But he started off in a humble way. You have to say that this was a good point for Samuel. He wasn't prideful. He wasn't jumping to the bit. He wasn't like, yeah, I'm doing it. He was humble here, wasn't he? Why else would he be hiding? Why else? He's the one that's going to be king. Can you imagine one of us here, one of us has got called up, called up, we're going to be an MBE, or we've got the king or queen's going to give us, the king's going to give us something. Yes, yes, we're going to the palace, yes, we're going to put on our finest, and yes, we're going to go and do it. This man, he was humbled at this point. The service of the Lord is humbling. Every single time. Have you ever told somebody about the Lord? And that person give their life to the Lord? You're humbled by that, aren't you? You are. You're humbled by that. You've done a work with the Lord. Something's gone on. You've done a work with the Lord. You're humbled by it. Lord, thank you for using me in this. This man was hiding amongst the articles. There is no place that we can hide that God can't find us. So who are you hiding from? Who are you hiding from? You're hiding from people. Why? Why hide from people? It's not people we're out to impress, is it? It's not people we're out to impress. It's the Lord, isn't it? We're doing the Lord's work here. He was hiding in a place where he thought, God, oh, just leave me in, Lord. Just hide me in. And God had to speak to the prophet. He's over there. He's hid amongst them things. Go and get So they ran, verse 23, so they ran and brought him from there. And, and when he had stood amongst the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upwards. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him who the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among you, among you all of the people? Now, he was head and shoulders above everybody. So he was a tall man. We know that he was tall. He was different looking from the rest of them. The Bible says that he was an handsome man. Not like me. I'm supposed to laugh. I'm not really tall. But he was an handsome man. He was good looking, the Bible says. And he stood head and shoulders above them all. He looked the part. He was a good... He looked the part. You know what the Bible says? That God doesn't... Mankind looks at the outside and judges people. But God looks on the inside. God looks on the inside. Do you know, we have plenty of examples in the Word of God of how people looked on the outside. When Jesus spoke to the, the Pharisees in Matthew 23, he called them whitewashed tombs because they all looked good on the outside, but on the inside they were all dead. You're full of dead men's bones. That's all you are. There's nothing good in you. And Jesus come there and he would quote that. And I want to tell you something. 
We need to spend more time worrying about what's on the inside than what we do on what's on the outside. Do you understand that we need to be beauty on the inside? Be kind and considerate. Be loving. Show what Jesus would do on the inside. And this man, he looked the part on the outside. He looked different from them all. He stood head and shoulders. He was a, he was a big man to them. And that's what they wanted. They wanted this king, somebody they could look up to. So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. And Samuel explained to the people the behaviour of, royal, of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. Now, he had wrote down in a book and he had said to them, this is the duty of the king. Obviously, God had, they God had spoke to him and said, this is the duty of the king. And when we read in the Bible, we read in, uh, we get a part of this in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 14. Well, we read from verse... Uh, verse 15, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers, you shall set him up over you. So it means it shan't, you may not put a foreigner over you, but he is, who is not your brother. You mustn't put a foreigner over you, so he has to come from your line. So Benjamin was, from the tribe of Benjamin he was. Only he must, he must not acquire horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord your God has said to you, you shall never return that way again, and you shall not acquire wives, many wives for yourself, lest your heart turn away, nor shall you acquire for yourself uh, excessive silver and gold. I want to tell you a bit of history here. At the beginning he started off humble. At the beginning, he started off hiding, didn't want the job. Now everybody's come out and said, God save the king, they've given that speech. And then Samuel said, this is what the king should do. This was written in the book of Deuteronomy. Shan't have many horses, shan't have it. I had the privilege of going to Israel a few years ago. You come with us that time, John. And I preached in the valley, in Megiddo Valley. But where I preached was the stables of Saul. It was, his, it was where he, it was known later on as Solomon's stables, wasn't it? But it was, it was where he first set them up. He was known that he went back to Egypt and acquired horses. Later on you'll read that he went back to Egypt. A place where God told him not to go back to. He went back and got all the horses, got chariots, he went there. He had a thousand wives or a thousand women. Don't multiply wives to yourself. He had a thousand that's what the Bible says, that's what he did. It said that he made gold and silver like pebbles, like, like stones. He became such a rich and wealthy man and such a rich and wealthy king that he made them like, just, just, there was just like stones, you could pick, this, pick it all up. And Saul was Solomon. Sol sorry, this was Saul. Solomon later on become greater than him. But Saul was the start of this. Saul had finery, refinery. He was the start. Solomon become the best of them all, like the wealthiest of them all. 
But Saul was the start of this. He, he multiplied horses. He multiplied women to himself as well. He multiplied all these things. Things that even what Samuel would write down in the book of Tubi, he didn't do it. He didn't obey it. And he became prideful in this. Now, what you've got to understand is, is here. That Saul started off good and ended up bad. That's where it went. It started off, he was humble. He started off that way. He ended up in a bad state. He ended up going to inquire the witch of Endor. The last statement, the last requirement of Saul, what did he do? Went to the witch of Endor. That's what he did. He ended up in such a bad state. But he started well. And brothers and sisters, don't let that be us. Don't let us have a good start and a bad finish. You know, it's not the way it is. We have to have a start in our, in our Christianity that we accept the Lord and the Lord does a work in us, but we continue with that on. Do you know, I tell you, it's a, yes, it is a testimony. For those who give their life to the Lord, yes, they've probably backslid for a time and then walked on with the Lord. That is a testimony. I'll get that. But backsliding isn't the Christian right. To, to, to leave the Lord isn't something that we all do. It isn't. Christianity is right today, it's right tomorrow, it'll be right next year. Us leaving the Lord, us backsliding and going and living our life how we want is not a good thing at all. Never will be, never is. Serving the Lord from the beginning and serving it all the way through, that's the way. And I'll finish up with, with I'll just finish up when I, when I read this. It says, um, And then Saul also went home till Gilba. And valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. Now he had valiant men that went with him, soldiers that went with him, men that could fight. You know, like David's mighty men, Saul had these men touched by God. They would given him something. They were strong, they were mighty, they were touched by the Lord. Valiant men. But some rebelled, said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and they brought, brought in no present. And he held his peace. So they give him nothing. They held him in contempt. They didn't like it. They didn't like it. Do you know what I want to tell you something? That's true with everything. That's true with everyone. That's true with every service of the Lord. There are some people that, that like me as a Christian or like me as a pastor. And there are some people that don't. That's just the way life is. There are some people that prefer Johnny and prefer Joseph. It's just the way things are. It's just the way it is. My ministry can reach some people, but it can't reach everybody. This king was a king here that could reach some people. He couldn't reach everybody. But was that not true with Jesus? Jesus is for everybody. Some people ridiculed him. Some people loved him. Here we see this king they set up. Some people loved him. Some people despised him. We have to get that through areas as well. Us as Christians, some people's going to love you, and somebody people, people ain't. And you know what the Bible tells us to do? Bear with the failings of the weak. So if somebody doesn't like you, you don't get on with them, you know what you do? God bless you. That's it. That's it. What did he do? If King Saul could do this, be held his peace. If King Saul could do that, so can we. We can hold our peace. God has given us those that will help us and those that will ridicule us. And that's true for every walk of Christianity. That's true for everything. 
Next week is uh, chapter 11. <coughs> I haven't read much about that. That's somebody else's job. Any questions about what I preached about tonight? <coughs>